Yeah. Welcome to the first episode of Blood Brothers Alive. I think this may be the fourth or fifth episode of Blood Brothers, but this is definitely the first Blood Brothers Live. And as they say at Blood Brothers Live, anything can happen, and it probably will. Is that a line that you stole? You, know, you got to get close to the you mic. Get closer to the mic. Is that a line you stole from somewhere? I made it up just now. Oh, okay. Anything can happen, and it probably will. You never know what to you expect. You never know what to expect. Except I'm pretty tired, so I'm not going to do anything too crazy. Mm-hmm. No somersaults or anything like that. All right, we don't have any topics. But you have to go really close to the really? mic. Really? Is that yeah. how it works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can pull the mic closer to you. You can move the mic. Yeah. You want to wear the headphones? Like that, that way I would know. I would, then I you would realize. I'm, so, I'm, so I'm not sure how much. Are we monitoring? This is very interesting to audience. Yeah, hello, hello. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Can you hear now? Hello. 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 Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So all now right. you so realize. Now I, I realize what's going on here. Okay. All right. All right. So. Uh, all right. So we don't have any topic planned for today. I feel that you're a little bit higher than me, so I'm going to raise my chair. You're, I don't think your chair does that. Can I lower it? No. No. I'm, we don't put the other guy down. We raise ourselves up. But no, your chair doesn't adjust. Yes, thank you. Your chair doesn't. This is a nice Modway chair that I got. Um, And it goes up and down. It's a drafting chair. And uh, this is just a regular uh, counter height stool. This is a counter height. People can't see, but this desk here, this was made in Arizona, this desk. Okay. And it's uh, 36 inches. It's counter height. Uh, Whatever. That's where it was made. It was made by a craftsman in Arizona. And it was shipped out here, and this this is counter height because I like counter height. Um, like a table height would be about that high. This is a counter height. I like counter height too. Yeah, I used to have have a, a counter height work surface in my workshop, but did you have a standing desk? I did not have a standing desk. I had a I had a coworker, a partner who had a, a standing desk. Yeah. So. He did not have a standing desk. He had a desk, and then he propped it up on like toy bricks that he got from mm-hmm. home from his kids. Yeah, and then it became a standing desk, ad hoc standing desk. Okay, so um, we now uh, have people uh, joining us from. Oh yeah, well, real human actually, beings. I'm gonna actually take a look and see. Uh, how many people irony there? is though that the people if there are any people who are actually here while you're checking to see if they're there yeah they have to sit and watch it yeah um so what did you want to all right so this is my proposed it says there's two people watching all right fantastic maybe it'll pick up well this is for you guys um I use the term guys in a gender-neutral sense. Yeah, dudes. So this is my proposed structure for today, is that I have a, I found a random word generator online, and what I want to do is pick two words 
We're right before Pesach, so Pesach's on the mind, and we could think about Pesach and talk about yeah. that. So, so this is my idea: is pick two words and Pesach, mm-hmm. and that's like our three act. You want to cheat the angle a little bit, David? By the way, so don't look straight at me. Yeah, you want to. So that's our, our three act structure: is we start with the first word. Are you random word generator? Yeah, so we're going to generate is this an two, app or website. What is uh, this? A website called Random Word Generator. I don't know. How what, do they make money? I don't know. Uh, ads, I assume. Um, yeah, I see ads. Okay. All right. So, um, for medications, what medications, this ad, Oh, it just switched. Now it's, uh, now it's for, uh, for sparkling water. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It read our minds. Oh, it didn't read our minds of it. It heard us talking. Heard us talking about seltzer. Yeah. We're drinking seltzer right now, by the way. Is is Just that a, a a real fact based thing that our phones listen to the words that we're saying? And I believe it is. Okay. And YouTube bots are reading the transcription of this video in order to decide who to push it to. So I just want to say that um, I have a lot of controversial hot takes on a lot of the hottest issues today. Yeah, I definitely feel we're being lied to. And I think that's an important thing for everybody to know. And yeah, you got to uh, do your own research. Yes, that's important. Do your own research. Follow um, the science, but not the science that, that they're telling you. Right. Um. Real science. Okay. So we're going to generate two words. Start with the first word. Work our way to the second word organically, and then okay. eventually these are to, English words. English words try to work our way towards Pesach. Okay. Or word association. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, so you're gonna randomly. I was generate. actually I was at a a Purim Suda recently on Purim where where they did a similar thing for their for a Purim Torah. They had like a random roll the dice and you get three topics and you had mm-hmm. to make a Dvar Torah. I thought it was an interesting idea. It's like Mad Libs. Yeah, I guess it's like Mad Libs. Yeah. Like story cubes, Rory story cubes. Mm-hmm. You ever played with those? What are they called? Rory story cubes. No, who's Rory? The guy who invented the story cubes. Yeah, and they have little pictures on them, and then you roll them, and then it's like, okay, now I'm gonna tell a story about these three things. Mm-hmm. All right, so random words. I'm gonna omit anything that I feel like is inappropriate. Or wait, wait, you know, we'll we'll talk, we'll discuss. Yeah, I'll omit anything that's inappropriate. We'll discuss the ones that come up. We'll feel like if it's something that's doable that we can think about that yeah. we can. grip. Okay. Grip. Yeah. Okay. Conspire. Conspire. Oh. Wait, hold on. We just said conspiracy. We did. So maybe the maybe the, I don't I don't think that this this website is that sophisticated. sophisticated? No. Okay. Grip. Conspire. Yeah, and hu- humanly. I'm just gonna throw out a few, and then we'll pick the two that humanly. We, yeah. Okay. Uh, one more system. System. And we have to. Put all those words together. Well, or we can pick two. And say something about Pesach. Yeah, we can pick two of them now. Uh-huh. So. I'm going to throw one more in there. Aviator. Aviator. Okay. So grip, humanly, no, grip, uh, conspire, yeah. humanly, system, con- an aviator. An aviator. Just pick ones that are off the bat are interesting to you, even though you don't have anything particularly that you think we're going to get to. But, like, just that so you feel like there's... There's room. Well, you know, there are theories that the pyramids were built by ancient astronauts. 
So that's all three right there. Um, Aviator, aviators. Conspire, and Pesach and is right there. There are those who conspire to suppress the, the information, such as that, and that the Mayans invented television. And Back that battery. What? But there's a, there's a system in place. All right, this is not how I imagine the game going. To, uh, how's the? How did you imagine the game? I mean, I don't want to be controlling. I don't want to be over controlling. Well, the way I imagine the game going is that we'd start with one word. Let's say we're going to start with. You know, you remind me of what? Knock knock. Who's there? Control freak. Control. Now you say control freak who? Control freak who? Oh, I know. I got it because you interrupted me and can tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, I would, so what I would imagine is we start with one word and we talk about it for a while. Okay. And in the ways that we feel it connects to Torah. And, and we don't just rattle it. We don't rattle through that. No. We take our time. Take our time until we organically get to the next oh, one. Oh, organically. And then from, from, and then from there we organically get to Pesa. Okay. Organically. Organically. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right, so we're going to start with Aviator? Oh, okay, we're going to, okay, yeah, go ahead. All right, we're going to start with Aviator, we're going to get to Conspire, and eventually we're going to get to Pesach. What about the other words? Like We're leaving them out. I just, I was just trying to give us some room to to choose from, but then you got confused, so I decided to control freak this and just pick pick the two myself. Okay, let's go. All right, we're going to start with Aviator. Do you know anything about uh, Aviators? Charles Lindbergh. I, I do not know nothing about him. He was an anti-Semite. I know that um, f- flying machines are mentioned in a mimer of the Alt Rebbe. Well, they're mentioned in the Gemara. Where? Shita Teva Migdal. Always talks about like uh, if you fly over a land with a Shita Teva Migdal or in a flying chest or a flying tower. Oh, it's it's like a like a con- conceptual. Yeah. Uh, thought experiment it's a it's a to be able to common expression in the water sheet of table amygdal flying uh, wardrobe flying uh, chest i know gamara talks about flying camels every once in a while flying camel are you familiar with that i think what's that uh the divre havai like words of exaggeration, what's the flying camel? Flying camel is used, as far as I know, in a couple of situations where it is trying to figure out how a person could be in two places at once, or like in two places at oh, it doesn't mean a the flying camel. Yeah, but you know, Adam Zaymimim, it doesn't it, mean a it's an expression camel. that they, it doesn't mean an actual flying camel. Again, it it's a, a super fast camel. It's right. Right, it's talking about Adam Zemimim. If he says, if they say that they witness something in uh, Lud, and then someone says Yimono Hayisim Birushalayim, is it Shayek? Well, if you have a flying camel yet, and then I think there's something about getting about if like two guys with the same name, but they live in two different places, and maybe it's the same guy was in both cities. And he had a flying camel. And he had a flying camel. Yeah, yeah. but it is it is a purely. I mean, I think it's a purposely. Non-existent. It's not. It's like a. It, it is a. Uh, it's a hypothetical thing in Gemara because right. well, then it was there weren't actual flying machines at that yeah. time. But when was the the first flying machine invented? Well, first of all, do you know the date of the flight at, at Kitty Hawk? 
1906, 1907. What was Kitty Hawk? 1906 or 07? I'm going to look at the history of flights. And I think it was 13 seconds. Look up Wright Brothers at Kitty Hawk. Okay, Wright Brothers at Kitty Hawk. Um, kite flying in China. No. That's not what I'm at. Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. First in aviation. I know, but I'm, I'm looking in the Wikipedia entry for the entire history of aviation. Just 1908, Wilbur Wright traveled to Europe oh, okay. and started starting in August, gave a series of flight demonstrations. Okay, I was off. A couple no, of but years. That, that's not Kitty Hawk. Oh. I don't know when Kitty Hawk was. <clears throat> All right, whatever it was. Okay. Because uh, I also wanted on the same page to uh, to see when the first air balloons. Because ni- 1907, 19, oh, it was 1903. Is that what you said originally? Kitty Hawk? Yeah. I said 06. Okay, 03. Mm-hmm. Right Flyer, 1903. But I was okay. trying to figure out when uh, hot air balloons started flying because... Around the world in 80 days. Yeah. So when when was that? 1800s. Hot Sometime air balloons in the 1800s. Sometime in the 1800s. So because there's a mimer where the Altareba asks about, about um, basically, on the one hand, it seems like we're getting, like Eurydice's we're getting stupider and, and, we're, and badder at understanding things. Right. On the other hand, we're getting smart enough to build things like, like a machine that can fly in the sky. The says people have technology now to build a machine that flies in the yeah, sky. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of the exact words that he uses. I forget the words, the word for the device, but he says something. Mm-hmm. Um, Where did you say, would you remember which mimer this is? It's either in Katsarim or in Yanim. Mm-hmm. Something that flies in the air. But he didn't say it was a vehicle, like that people could actually... Svina. Oh, Svina. And and actually, that term Svina Shaparupa Aver is used also hypothetically earlier in 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 like uh, I think um, uh, the Rambam uses it in Maranavuchim. Uh-huh, but the Altarib says we can build today a flying yes ship. And he's using it as a as like a, a contrast to mm-hmm. say that so supposedly we're getting smarter and smarter. Okay, so when was the, the first hot air balloon? You want to look that up? I'm looking that up. First hot air balloon. It's in- very interesting. Yes, we're live on YouTube right now, but but it's okay. It's Hi. All- <laughs> okay. Um, wicker basket. I'm now. I'm going to hold back my my curiosity of of tapping on the hyperlink to w- the Wikipedia entry on wicker baskets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first man flight was in seventeen eighty three. Oh, okay. Seventeen eighty three was the first manned hot air balloon. Hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. So uh, tough goof pay gim- Oh wow, you know what? Wait, hold on. Seventeen eighty three. Well, tough tough One of the pioneers Mem of... Mem Gimel. Tovkuf Mem Gimel. What? That's hot air balloons? Um, What's Tovkuf Mem Gimel? 
1783. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So before before Tanya even came out. So there were hot air balloons before the Tanya came out. Interesting. That would make sense because most of these short memoirs predate right. Tanya. Because after Petterberg, after the imprisonment, Altarebbe spoke at length. But before the imprisonment, he spoke shorter. Yeah, very interesting. Wondering if I can look at the year on that. I, I did mm-hmm. one time look at the year and try to... Um, Try to like see if I could connect it to any stif- uh, significant event in aviation history. You know, I was once looking for world maps from the 1790s because it's a story that when the Alter Rebbe was imprisoned, they brought him a map of the New World, and he said it was incorrect because Ruach Hatzvenus Ein Misavavis. The Gemara says that the north side of the world is not closed off. There's different explanations why. But uh, he said that the the maps of the New World were incorrect because it showed a landmass going all the way up to the top of the world, or the top. It's not really top. The way that the the north side of the world, what we call the um, boreocentric maps. The yeah, you're right. Boreocentric means with a bias to the to the north. Have you ever looked at maps that are that are upside down? that are quote-unquote upside down. Uh, actually, uh, not only have I looked at them, but if you'll notice, the globe behind you is, I specifically, oh, no, it is not. I, I particularly bought a globe that has two axes so I could put Eretz Yisrael on top. Oh, is that why we have it the way it is? That's oh. why I have it that way. I put Eretz Yisrael on top, and I put the Chotzikadra Tachtain on the Tachtain. So I put I put Eretz on top so that you make Aliyah from any spot on the globe. You're going up to Eretz I did not put the North Pole on top. See, I tilted it. So Eretz is on the top, which is conceptually correct according to our worldview. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so they showed the Altarebbe. Have Al-Tareb, you ever noticed yeah. what, the, on our, uh, when on a Boreocentric map? Yeah. Um, well, everything's wider at the top. Yeah, because of the point. projections. Well, there's different. Oh, is that because of the projections? It's because the way that they made maps is they would basically put paper around a glowing globe like this, and then they would trace it. But then you see the the farther away the paper is, the paper's a cone, or not a cone, a tube. The paper's a tube. Imagine putting a tube around that and then tracing where it projects. So are you trying to tell me that Argentina is actually much bigger than we think it is? On that globe, everything's accurate. I'm saying when you flatten it, when you flatten a globe, right. you're going to get distortion. So, so, on the so globe, one of the popular though, you... ways, I think it's called a Mercator projection. Right. It's, a, it's a certain type of projecting... Why do I want to say Mercator projection? Yeah, it's a Mercator. All right. Mercator projection, that's what it is. It's a cylindrical map projection presented by Flemish geographer and cartographer Gerardus Mercator in 1569. It became the standard map projection for navigation because it is unique and representing north is up and south is down everywhere while preserving local directions and shapes. But it does distort things that it makes 
Greenland look bigger than South America. I have looked at other projections. Maps use that use other projections, yeah. and they're weird looking to me. Or sometimes, if you want to not have any distortion in sizes of continents, what you have to do is you have to lose oceans. Mm. And there are those. You ever seen the the peeled orange ones? Yes, the ones that look like a peeled orange, orange, where it's like there's pieces cut out. Yes, yeah. But and then, and then that's the least amount of distortion f- because it's of not- the least amount of distortion of landmass, which is probably what we mostly care about. Right. But you're totally messing with with the with the water. Right. Just two thirds of the world is water. But yeah. So like the Atlanteans would would not like that. No, they wouldn't like it. They would feel being misrepresented. Um, but also, you- the lost continent of Mu. Did not know about that. The lost continent of Mu is like Atlantis in the Pacific. Oh, well, and, and, okay. I have never heard of that. Lost continent of Mu? What cultures does that come from? Where does Mu come from? Like what mythology? Mythology. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is it an actual? Uh, all right. All right. It um, was. It, it was. It, it's, is it a real sunken continent? That, yeah, it's a sunken continent. And right. It's lost. Lost by what? I guess it, uh, it sank. I'm not sure how Lu, how Mu was lost. So Mu, no, for Mu is is for real. Mu, lost continent of Mu. All right. I think you need your to brush up on your time life. I do. Paranormal. Atlantis is not real. Atlantis is a myth. Uh, who says that? Uh, the, my brain currently. Mu is a mystical lost continent. Mystical? Mystical is fine. Introduced <laughs> Not by mythical. A, no. Uh, introduced by Augustus Lee Plungeon, who used the land of Mu as an alternative name for Atlantis. Oh, now they're saying it's an it's alternative the same thing. of Atlantis. Atlantis is a fictional island. Who says it's fictional? Wikipedia does. You gonna, would you want to go fix it? Yeah. <laughs> Are you trying to push us to conspiracy too quickly? Yeah. That's not organic. You know about the Wall of Bimini? No. You don't know about the Wall of Bimini? No, and what is the Wall of Bimini? The Wall of Bimini is um, clearly humanly, and that was one of our words, humanly, humanly carved uh, stones that are in on the seafloor in the, uh, I believe in the Caribbean, somewhere in the, in the Atlantic. And um, on the seafloor, there are clearly humanly carved, hewn stones that were sort of, uh, they were, it was clearly part of a wall that toppled or perhaps of a uh, large paved roadway. But it's right in the middle of, of the sea. And it's evidence of a lost continent, the, sea of, the, the wall of Bimini. All right. So those people who built that wall would also I'm very happy, by the way, that we're talking about this, and I'll tell you why. Why? Tell me why. Because I feel like the YouTube bots, which are going to be (laughs) reading the transcription of this video, are going to bring us a whole new wave of viewership. And I, frankly, I welcome those people. Yeah, welcome. The Bimini Road, sometimes called the Bimini Wall, is an underwater rock formation near North Bimini Island in the Bahamas. Okay. Did I steer you wrong? Well, the, the, uh, Wikipedia seems to think it's a natural rock formation. The, the road consists of a 0.8-kilometer 
long northeast-southwest linear feature composed of roughly rectangular to sub-rectangular sub limestone blocks. All right, then. First question here people also ask, is the Bimini Road man-made? In 1968, a diver off the coast of North Bimini Island, Bahamas, discovered a series of stones 18 feet below the surface. The stones appeared man-made and were evenly spaced out in a road-like in a road-like line stretching a half mile. So, there you go. You were going to say something about maps before I, I The Altadeba told you. them that the map ah, there you go. they had of the of the New World was incorrect because it showed the landmass like, you know, Canada basically going all the way up and never ending. It just doesn't end. He says that's not true that yeah, if you look at the the North Pole there's there's no landmass there. It's water. Why? Because the Gemara says, that the Abishta didn't complete the north side of the world, left it incomplete. So that if anyone would ever get up and say, I'm a god, you say to him, okay, no problem. You don't finish. have to create the world. Just, finish, Just it. finish it. Hashem left the north side of the world incomplete. You go complete it. And then obviously the guy is like, well, uh, I left my tools at home. And then you laugh at him and discredit him. Yeah. Um, so, so obviously those those maps are not. That's not the one that's being used for this globe. We have more modern maps. We have modern maps now. We have. Uh, so they were satellites. they were inaccurate according to current. So the Alter Rebbe told them in the 1790s when he was in jail that their maps that they had then were inaccurate because they didn't show that the North Pole right. is water. Now, why didn't they show the North Pole is water? Because no one had been able to get up there to explore it. So, so the, assumption was, the assumption was that Canada just keeps going and going and going. That is really, really interesting. Yeah. What else you want to know about? Well, there's a part of me that really wants to push this towards flat Earth, and to definitely get you this, some new viewers. But I would love some new viewers who are <laughs> willing to think outside of the box, outside of the sphere, outside of the sphere. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I mentioned on here before. I don't think I have that. I, I, I was at one time was watching. A, uh, a video of a, a flat flat Earth convention, and oh, you told me about this. Yeah, this, the person, um, a person was prevent, presenting. He, I think, he was a singer of some sort, and he had some songs, some satirical songs about about mocking round yeah, Earth, round Earth ascribers. And then at the end of it, he said he just wants to make an announcement that he is. I'm going to. Um, uh, I forget exactly how he was going to do it, what device he was going to use. He's at, right. He was going to get out of Earth's orbit, be able to look down and take pictures and see for himself and be able to report back. Right. And finally, once and for all, because up until now, it's only only NASA who are like the gatekeepers of all right. of this imagery, and we can't really get a real honest mm -hmm. uh, perception. So he's going to do it. Everyone cheered and was very excited. And then he went down, and the MC came on and said, "I just want to let everyone know that the the spacesuit helmet that you'll have to wear if you do go outside of Earth's orbit is 
rounded and will uh, get the fishbowl effect. Yeah, it will manipulate the way you per- perceive the world, and It'll, so it might not be completely what you're expecting it to be. Uh huh. So he's gonna have to be Moser Nefesh to take off the yeah, helmet, <laughs> but then he won't be able to tell us. Well, you'll maybe be able to snap a picture. Yeah. By the way, you could snap a picture outside of the helmet. I think the, the assumption was the camera holds. was going to be inside the helmet with him. Oh. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the camera. No, I think camera lenses also are around. That's true. But all camera lenses are round. So yeah, everything should look. Eyeball good. lenses are also round. It's true. Eyeballs are round. That's so really probably everything we think is round is really flat. According to that logic, that would that would make sense. Everything we think is spherical is actually flat. Basketballs. It's like the opposite of flatland. Oh. Well, flatland is flat. It is right. two-dimensional. Right. It's not that they're only perceiving two dimensions. I mean, they're. I guess they're only perceiving two dimensions of reality. But everything that exists in flatland, there was no implication in that book that uh, that the squares were actually cubes, and, but oh, nobody could perceive that. It, it, it wasn't that there were actually. There was a sphere that visited from from oh, Sphereland. That, yeah, yeah, right. The sphere visited from Sphereland, right? Right, but it was a different place. But all of the squares and triangles and circles that existed in Flatland, right. I believe, were flat. I believe they were two dimensional. They weren't three three dimensional objects that were being perceived in two dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, we made it to to. To conspire. Mm-hmm. So NASA is conspiring to change our, our to to limit our perception of the world. Although we just determined that our own eyeballs are also part of that conspiracy. So apparently God's in on it too. <laughs> goes all the way to the top. <laughs> this conspiracy this goes all the goes way, all the way to the top. It goes a lot deeper than you realize. No, I know it goes deep. No, no, no. Much more. God is in on it. Are there any conspiracies that you would say that God is is? On? I, I, we're kind of saying this kind of jokingly, but do you feel there's anything that is a conspiracy? The that phenomenological God is in on? universe, if you can call it a conspiracy, yeah, yeah, sure. Hashem created the appearance of a self-sustaining, ontologically autonomous reality. And it's it's not, but it really... It's not a conspiracy, though, because nobody is in on it with God. Conspiracy, the definition, right. requires multiple people. Right, you're right. It's like collusion. you got to have somebody with you. So it's interesting. A conspiracy theory takes one guy, and mm. often, often is one brave person. But it has to be about... But a conspiracy itself... An actual conspiracy requires because cons- that conspiring actually if you means conspire getting together with other people yeah that's what it means hide some that's why some... I don't conspire I don't like to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, way too much social interaction <laughs> that's why I can't I lie to people all the time but I'm not with friends <laughs> not with them I don't invite them to lie with me oh that's anxiety and exhausting. <laughs> Uh, but I, by the way, conspiracies probably are incredibly exhausting because it is, it is exhausting enough to lie and then fear getting caught and right. then to fear that somebody else is going to get you caught. Right. Yeah.
um, conspiracies. If you conspire, your friend like, down the hall confessed everything. What what's the name of that? You mean that psychological In, tactic that the interrogation use? technique? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, there it, there is a thing. Yeah, like your friend down the hall confessed everything. He's going to be out tonight. Right, unless you can give us something on him. Right. Uh, if you ex if you conspire to expose a conspiracy, you need to do that with somebody else, and that would be a conspiracy. Right. Anti-conspiracy, counter-conspiracy. Counter-conspiracy. Um, when the Malachim in the beginning in Bereshis, when Hashem's like, all right, there's so there's there's two there's make man in our image. Right, and I saw the Bitzalmenu. Yeah. So does that constitute conspiracy? And there's Migdal Bubble. There's a lot of we talk there. So, yeah, but it, I think conspiracy has to be there's people who are in on, in on it and specifically people who are not in on it. Like there's a lot of um, mm. like uh, hiding what you're doing, being opaque. You don't want people to know what you're really doing. Yeah. Yoiv. What about Yoiv? Um, was that not a conspiracy with the Sutton? Oh. Because the Sutton was given permission to test Yoiv. So is that a conspiracy? A divine conspiracy? Yeah, maybe. Interesting. You're really trying to expand uh, the viewership. Right? <laughs> you get a lot of interesting people. Uh, and, and so this may be pushing it too fast. It might not be organic. Right. But how about um, hardening Paray's heart? Is that a conspiracy? Is that a conspiracy? Because Hashem told Moshe he's going to do it. Yes. And then concealed from Paray his own decision-making process. It's interesting. Oh, that's Pesach. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, maybe maybe I'm pushing it too quick. No, that's good. Is that a conspiracy? And why do we care if it is a conspiracy? Are we blowing the lid off of it? Well, I think the Bible already blows the lid off of it because <laughs> it's in there. God tells Moses repeatedly that this is happening, and I think the Bible's pretty public record. So I don't think it's a conspiracy. Maybe at the time you could say. Right. Like if, if, if Parai would be running around being like, listen, I have a very strong suspicion that there are powers at work here that are compelling me. And people were like, come on, Parai, you ready? When Moshe Benus Take off the tinfoil hat. <laughs> right. Right. This is against my will. I want to do it. <laughs> I'm just feeling inexplicable. Maybe stubborn. that's what they found with the mummies. That thing is really a tinfoil hat. What thing? The Pari hat. The Pari hat? Those pharaoh hats. With the, with, uh, with the beards on them? The pharaoh hats. The, the, oh, that's the sarcophagus thing. It has a weird beard on it. But Oh, those the pharaoh hats. Yeah, maybe those are tinfoil hats. Those are tinfoil hats. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they had aluminum foil at the time. They had everything. <laughs> Did they? Ancient Egyptians. They had titanium. Did they? I think so. 
Want to Google it? Did it? What am I Googling? Did ancient Egyptians have titanium? Yes. I'm really spicing up your YouTube uh, Google <laughs> algorithm, by the way. Thank me later. It's about to change your whole internet experience. I know that Egyptians had a blue dye because we see it all the time in Egyptian stuff, but at a time when other Middle Eastern uh, cultures were not really, blue was not a part of the vocabulary. Yeah, there is a thing about that. Yeah, yeah. The, in the ancient world, blue was not a word. Yes. So apparently... You just used the word for green, for blue and green. In, in uh, Homer... In the the Odyssey, yeah, this, this it, it apparently there's a point where he describes this the sea as wine red. Yes, he does, or wine dark, or the something. Wine dark sea. Wine dark sea, because the, apparently the way that ancient Greeks, Homer's Greek, right? Yeah, and apparently the way the ancient ancient Greeks just thought of color was not by hue. But we we tend to group colors by hue, right? And they, I guess, grouped colors by shade, dark and light. And not, then it would make right. sense to refer to the sea as as wine, wine dark, because it doesn't matter if it's red or blue. The point is that's how dark it is, right? That's very interesting. Well, we have a color. Our color wheels, or like in a Photoshop eyedropper or whatever, we see this gradient and. Very often, actually, have the have the color base gradient, and then yeah. it'll have the lightness and darkness on the side of like right. from white to black. So you choose your hue, and then the secondary thing is like how light. But you can flip that whole thing. Yeah, imagine flipping that. Right. Where you just have this this white to black spectrum. Right. And then then your little the secondary. Line. You want it red. You want it blue. Yeah. You want it green. Yeah. That's fascinating. I I looked into this once. I have a, a Safari source sheet. On colors, and uh, found some interesting things. Zaire says that there's a secret color that you can't see. Is it infrared? There are secret. I don't. Ultraviolet. I don't think so, because it says that you can see it if you close your eyes and you and you move your eyeballs around. Now I don't know if it means. No, I know how to do that. I've been doing that since I was a little kid. <laughs> I don't. I think it means if you move it around manually. I see it right now. Right, you see the secret colors. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like electricity. Those are the secret colors. You know what it is? It's the color that the whole world turns when in Atari 2600, when you win the game Adventure, when you get the chalice and you bring it back to the castle. You are seven years older than me, so your Atari references are lost on me. I okay. apologize. Well, Atari 2600 is a game called Adventure, and you're a little square, and you run around with an arrow, which is a sword, and you slay dragons, and there's the black castle, and there's a white castle, there's a red castle... And a yellow castle, I think, yeah. And in the end, you bring the chalice back to the castle, I think to the black castle. And then the whole world flashes the colors of Electrum. It's like this, yeah. Anyways, that's the color I see when I um, do that. So the Zaire says there's a secret color. Yeah. Yeah. And that you that it's not revealed to us except for you can see. I think it says there's multiple secret colors, and you can see one of them when you just push your eyeball. I have, oh, by the way, a solution to racism. Close your eyes. I was going to say, everyone should be that secret color. Maybe everyone Maybe. is that secret color. Oh, my goodness. So the solution to racism already exists. Just smush your eyeballs. <sighs> 
Do you know when you close your eyes, tell me what color you see without smushing your eyes. When you close your eyes, what color do you see? Yeah. Well, you want to say black, but that's not true. It is not true. That's like saying the back of your hand sees black. Okay, there's another reason why that's not true. There's actually, because you're saying it's not, it's not anything, therefore you can't call it black. Right. But what if I, if I told you, no, you're allowed to call it something. Now okay. what do you call it, black? No, I'm not, I'm not going to fall for that. I'm not going to call it <laughs> well, black. Well, you have a black wall here. Look at your black wall. Yeah. That's black. Yeah. Now close your eyes and tell me, is that color as dark as that wall? Yeah, even even if you cover your eyes, it's not as dark as that black. Right. So there's it's gray. There's a name for that color. It's called Agengrau. What's it called? Agengrau. Agengrau? Yeah. That's like Yiddish. It says so you know what it means? Yeah, eye gray. No, self gray. Oh, Agen, not like Eugen, but Agen. Like the Agen oh, like your internal gray. Yeah. But why is it a German word? Did, but Egan grow. Does it, it doesn't seem suiting to you that, that the word for the gray that you see when you close your eyes is German? Yeah. I don't know why it is German, but it seems completely appropriate to me. Egan grow. Right. Like the Egan grow. Yeah. Yeah. Your own internal gray that you produce. And the, the reason why you see gray is apparently you need contrast in order to see black. Since there's no... There's no, no white in there. There's there's secret colors, but there's no white. So you can just see the egg and grow. Wow. That's pretty cool. I learned a new word, egg and grow. You like that word? Yeah, I like German compound words. <laughs> Schattenfreude. You know any more? What? Weltenschung. Zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. You know, is it pretentious to say zeitgeist? Because really, should be zeitgeist. Is that is that? A, a, yeah, I mean, in Yiddish, it's zeit, and I believe that's also in a, German. In German, zeit. I've led to zeit. Zeit is time. Zeitgeist. I don't know. I don't know how German works. Yeah. Well, in German, a z is a z sound. Um. You know any other uh, German compound words? I don't. I'm not generally a smart person. I just know some weird things. Mm -hmm. So I don't know a lot of. I think that is a test of, like a really like a sophisticated person is how many German compound, compound words. words do you know? Mm -hmm. I have more seltzer, by the way. Don't talk about it. I don't want the robots to to yeah. know that I like seltzer. Thank you. I wonder if you're going to get ads from Mayim Chaim. I don't think Mayim Chaim advertises. On YouTube? I don't think they need to advertise. I think, I think a happy customer is their advertising. I think it would be, it would probably be a misplacement of funds for, for them to advertise on YouTube. Yeah, their misplacement of their marketing budget. All right, is there any? Um, I mean, we have technically gotten. Should I see if any comments have come in? I'm gonna uh, see if anybody are asking questions about the weird conspiracy stuff we're talking about. You want to talk about some stuff while I'm looking in the 
comments? Um, I believe I have said all the interesting conversation things that I have in my head right now. Oh, someone wrote Tahiti on the bottom. Just showed up. What's the game? Oh. Oh, the game for those just joining us is that we we began with two words and the word and Pesach. We began with aviator and conspire and Pesach. And we're going to try and get from aviator to conspire, which we already did. We eventually got to. I forget what conspiracies we got to. We talked about whether or not it was possible for God to be implicated in conspiracies, and then. Uh, and then we were trying to get to Pesach. We kind of did. I think it's a cheat. We didn't really, I didn't learn anything, like, see anything differently about Pesach. We asked if, if it's possible that. Oh, you want to learn something. I hope, would hope that the purpose of these discussions is, is that we both and leave thinking about things differently than we did before. Okay. So is that wanna... not an, a noble goal? No, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good goal. If you're not careful, you might learn something before we're done. Okay, what what's that? All right, I don't understand that. <laughs> you don't know what that is? No, I don't know what that. I'm sorry. Anyone who knows what it is, please look. If you're not careful, you might learn some. We might learn something before we're done. Okay. 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 So, uh, what are the other words that we have to incorporate? No, that was it. That was it. And we had some other, some other like second place words, shortlist words, but the words that we finalized were aviator, conspire, and then get to Pesach. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you want to tell me something about Pesach? Are you thinking anything about Pesach these days? Um, I have my certain uh, perennial. Uh, Pesach favorite subjects that I enjoy. Anything new bouncing around? I haven't. I haven't been thinking about Pesach yet. I'm, uh, Still thinking about Purim. I was thinking about Purim, and now, uh, yeah, I haven't really delved into Pesach yet. I've been thinking about about uh, Manishtana. Yeah, I saw somewhere. Translation of Manishtana. I saw this from the Arach Shochan that which I know that you have. You some, know, the Arach Shochan is Hepach Shochan Arach. Yeah, all right, I know you have issues with, with that. I don't have any issues with Arach Shochan. <laughs> all right, you told me it was Hepach Shochan Arach. <laughs> That's an old joke. It's oh. a, uh, I think it was uh, Yechen and Gordon said it. Um, he says that uh, Manishtana isn't. Like how is how is this night different from how would you translate Manishtana? How would I translate it? Um, I mean, I would probably go with the Yiddish, the, the famous Yiddish one. What is different about the night of Passover than all the nights from all the nights of the whole year? Yeah, that's how I would say. So that's actually interesting. Then, in, in that case, Andrish, who, yeah. who's who's asking that question? Child's asking. All right, and then what comes next? After he asks yeah. all the mamas. No, times? after he asks just that question. I assume there was a question mark after that. Yeah. And then what comes next? Then he he's mifarit. He specifies what are the things that he's noticing that are different. So different. There are different uh, minhagim 
according to the so seemingly then then what's the purpose of the first question the child knows what's different about this night than other nights we're doing all these weird things that he's about no, to talk what about he means is what is different about tonight that would lead to us doing things differently ah. and here are four things i noticed that we're doing differently and I w- I'm assuming there's something special about tonight. Yeah, why? So it's causing why. us. Why are why are we doing all these? What why are is, we doing all these? What's weird the underlying things? differentness of this night? That if, makes, there were, if there were one thing we were doing differently, maybe I wouldn't think it's the night. But there's four things I've noticed that are different. So I'm thinking that this is a different night. There's something different about tonight. Right. So the Aruch Hashulchan translates that first. The first part as a, a statement of of wonder. How different this night is from. Oh, ma, like, oh how. Oh how like, different. Like yes. How goodly are yeah, your How goodly. I use the word goodly a lot in natural conversation. Yeah. So yeah, ma can be like. By uh, the way, the seltzer is very goodly. Maim chaim. Yeah. Yeah. So ma could be like an expression of. Yeah. yeah. I, now, is it, I don't know how, how different it, this night is. Right? Is that interesting to you? I don't know how yeah. interesting that is. How do you? Yeah. It's interesting to me because it's a, something that like we've read a million times. I and I've read it a lot as the the youngest kid in my family, uh, and and the youngest kid in my extended f- cousin's family as well, and uh, so like I had to publicly say that that line a lot. Yeah. And uh, so that's a lot of significance to it you. It does have a lot of significance, and but I've always thought about it as this the same way. It's always been why is uh, why is this night different from all other nights? What is different about this night? But it, I've never thought of it as how different this night is from all other nights. So you you're saying that the first time is not vos is andrish, but vi andrish yes. is the nacht von pesach. Yeah, and yeah. The exclamation point. Exclamation point. And then a bunch of questions. Oh, how unique this evening! And is. then and then explaining. For for instance, we're, for instance, we do this weird stuff. Okay. Why why are we do why do we do that? That's very interesting. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, what are the implications? Um. I, I but do you have? I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't. I mean, it doesn't like make any earth shattering differences in how we approach. Passover. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does. It does answer a question. That how many questions are there? Four. How many question marks are there? Five. So the first one is like uh, the gen- oh. By the way, I believe I'm not making this up, but you know, <clears throat> one of my favorite Pesach Sichas is the one about Dalid Yisaitis and Chema Hayuli. How the Rebbe explains the Machlekes of. It's actually a three-way machlekes, Rabbi Yesi, Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Akiva. But about how many makes were the makes? Darshna pasuk from uh, from Tilim, but that's really that's not why they say four or five. But uh, the idea of every every plague being a fourfold plague or a fivefold plague. Right. So fourfold is connected Dalad Yisaitis, the four elements of uh, fire, air, water, earth. And then, so then that's Rabbi Eliezer's opinion. Why does Rabbi Akiva say fivefold? Because he comes to the Chayma HaYuuli. The Chayma HaYuuli means primordial matter. That's even deeper. There were three opinions there, weren't there? Rabbi Yesi, but he just says one. Okay. And by the way, that's what Rabbi Yesi says 
that beer chometz can be uh, just by tearing it up. You don't have to destroy its substance. You just change the tzir, just change the form. Just right. tear it up, throw it in the wind. Right. Right. But, um, so I believe, I'm not making this up, that there's a ha'ara, as a footnote in the Kutisichas, where the Rebbe says that this corresponds to the four questions. And the fifth question, which is, an, a general like rubric, hmm. so that Manishtana before he gets into anything specific, whether your first question is about dipping or your first question about matzah, you know the the Velt says the first question is about why we eat matzah, but nusach uh, chabad or minig chabad, I shouldn't say nusach, but the minig chabad is to say matbilin is the first question. At any rate, but the the, the first general question is like the chaymer I think I'm not making that up. That's interesting. I don't remember seeing that. Do you know the word, do you know the etymology of the word quintessential? No, I do not. Well, let's think about it. Think it through. I don't know. Quint means five. Right. Like quintuplets, right? Right. right. Remember Octomom? I, I vaguely that was remember. That trip. <laughs> That's a blast that from the past. That was wild. That's a blast from the past. Remember subprime mortgages? <laughs> That was crazy. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> yeah. The aughts? I remember. The aughts. That's a crazy time. Crazy. Alive. <laughs> Anyways. Dr. Mom and subprime mortgages. Yeah. It was a crazy time to be alive. But you, you were coming of age around that time. You're a global teen. You're a millennial. I'm Generation X. Charlie bit me. Finger. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, it's, a, it's an NFT now. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, the Charlie Bitney parents made it into an NFT. They Go took it them. down off YouTube. Did they? Yep, they made it an NFT. Well, it's not. It's non fungible now. Yeah, yeah, it's non fungible. Yeah. Um, so, what were you going to tell me? Quintessential. Quint means five. Yeah. So, what essential. do you think quintessential means? Are you going to tell me it's the Chemra Yuli? Yes. Quintessence? What do you think quintessence means? Is that literally what what, what the word means? Yeah, go look or it up. That? Quintessence. The I always get confused between etymology and entomology. I don't know which one is entomology which. Entomology is the study of bugs. Okay. You can remember that because the sound a bug makes is like entomology. Is that how you remember it? Is that your mnemonic? <laughs> no. <laughs> etymology. I thought entomology was a study, study of, of root, entomins. Root, entomins. <laughs> yeah. Entomology. Entomins is Oliver Shalom. I believe the, the founder the of the founder of Entomins passed away recently. Oh. It was a big deal for a lot of Jews. Mm-hmm. Had uh, Entomins at Kiddush all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Entomins is OU. It's okay to, to yeah, it's all you. acknowledge. Yeah, it's fine. We could acknowledge Entomins. Um, but that's not what entomology is. It's not the no. study of entomins. No. Entomology is a study of bugs. Etymology is a study of words. Word so etymologically. Etymologically. Look up the etymology of quintessence. Pull it up. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Quintessential, representing the most perfect or typical example of a quality or class. He was the quintessential tough guy. Strong, silent, and self-contained. That's the example sentence. 
The quintessential tough guy. Yeah. Strong, silent, and self-contained is the quintessential tough guy. Like Lee Marvin. <laughs> I think he's strong, silent, and self-contained. He was a real tough guy. There were some fake tough guys. Lee Marvin was a real tough guy. Google that, and you'll find that that's true. They all said from that era, Lee Marvin was the real tough guy. Quintessential tough guy? Yeah. Um, but Google doesn't give me uh, the, the entomology. The etymology. Entomology. What's the entomology of the word insect? Um... Probably in sect. Sect is like a section. No, I, I said what's the entomology of oh. the word insect. <laughs> Wrong. Oh, it's like I didn't say Simon Says. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. All right. Uh, quintessential, and I'm looking for the, it doesn't tell me the entomology. Now I have to look it up on Wikipedia. The quintessential tough guy. It's the philosophers and scientists of the ancient, this is from, from Webster. The philosopher. <laughs> it is also quoted on Emmanuel no, Lewis's blog, but it's from Merriam-Webster. Merriam-Webster. Yes, yes, the Jewish wife of Merriam-Webster. Who was Merriam, by the way? I know who Webster. Noah Webster is famous, but who's Merriam? It's like Sears and Roebuck. Who was Roebuck? Wait, there's two guys. There's Merriam and oh, it's Noah Webster. Is that who? Noah Webster yeah. was the guy. All right. Who's and Merriam? Probably just put up the money. Miriam the prophetess. No, it's Miriam. Um, the philosophers and scientists of the ancient world and the Middle Ages believed that the world we inhabit was was entirely made up of four elements. Uh, uh, so listen. And by the way, they say it. That's very condescending. The philosophers of the ancient world believed. Why do they have to say it like that? Well, because they're dead. No. Why do they have to say that that's a belief that was it's like oh, right. an ancient belief. Right. There are, there I believe are I'm very much thought. alive. I'm very current. <laughs> and I believe that the world You're is very made current. up of valid. You're blowing the lid off of, off of conspiracies. And by the way, there's a letter from the Rebbe that says it's not a contradiction with the, with the fact that we observe the atomic elements. The periodic chart of elements is a different model. Different it's not a, it's not a fact. The Rebbe says that the Dalad Yisaydais, the four elements, what we translate clumsily as the four elements, is probably better translated functionally at least as the four states of matter as solid liquid gas plasma i think we do ourselves a lot of uh disservice by the words that we use and getting stuck in that and saying well there's not four elements there's a whole time entire table element right it's like okay so don't I, call them elements I, I like to confuse people by asking them if a bat is a bird and they say no and then i say Right. Now read off to me from Chumash the list of non-kosher birds. That's right. Bat is, we just had it last week. So the, yeah. yeah, that's right. And uh, is, is, a, is a whale a fish? Well, it depends on the taxonomy. If you're talking, if, if you're classifying things as mammals versus fish, then no, right. a whale is a mammal, not a fish. But if is it, is it a dog? Yes. Yes, a whale is a dog. But oh, but it doesn't. But 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 it. But, it, but what, what was what does what's the translation of dog fish? And is a whale a fish? No. So I'm very upset and confused. Right. Exactly. So you gotta you gotta stop. You gotta doing be that. willing to to understand that sometimes we can use the same word for completely different categories of things. Right. Um, 
All right. So the world we have is enti- entirely made up of four elements. Four Earth, elements. air, fire, and water. Right. Aristotle added a fifth element. I was, I was wondering about that group, earth, wind, and fire. Was there a guy who was water and he quit? Earth, wind, and fire? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, water quit. And what, I mean, now, now I'm going to have to look that up next and see if it was water. water. Probably wanted to get paid too much. Another manager was water. <laughs> yeah, so Aristotle added a fifth element, ether, by which he meant the material that fills the rest of space. Ether, the material that fills the rest of space. Uh, yeah, mo- mostly invisibly, but sometimes taking the form of stars and planets. Okay, fine. I'm not going to continue reading on. Anyways. But that's not, doesn't seem to be what's being described in that sicha as that fifth Chaim level. Yuli, by the way, Yuli is, or actually, I'm sorry. It's, I, I, I exposed my own amarotsis here. The hay is not a hay idea. It's not a definite article. Huli, Huli. You could, the, the, the word is Huli, and I think right. it's spelled in Greek. Um, I actually learned how to pronounce it once properly, and then I forgot how to pronounce it. Um, um, Oh, here it is. It's spelled H-Y-L-E. In philosophy, from ancient Greek, hmm. refers to matter or stuff. It can be the material cause underlying a change in Aristotelian philosophy. Yeah, H-Y-L-E. And how do you pronounce it? I just, I'm going to... What? You leaving? I'm not leaving. I just meant to go in my room. Okay, fine. No, it's not nice. Okay, but I'm I'm left here alone. I'm gonna I'm just looking up how to pronounce um, this word. Okay. Kyle. No, it's not pronounced Kyle. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the robot just told you. Not, it's not Heil. You better not let my phone hear it saying that or you're going to get some weird YouTube <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> it is not Heil. It's my not. phone it thinks weird things of me now. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to get the wrong <laughs> suggestions. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, it's Huel or something. It's pronounced like Huel. Okay, Whatever. Yeah, anyways, quintessence is that fifth level, which corresponds to the uh, the essence of all things, which is more basic even than the, than the elements themselves. Elements are more basic than the forms of things that we know, but the Chema Hayuli is even more essential and more basic. That's not the way Emmanuel Lewis described it. Yeah, well... What, what did he say when we looked up quintessence? <laughs> he said all that stuff where he said that the ether fills is what fills up empty space. 
not filled up by the other four elements. That's what. But well, I, it's everything that isn't filled up by yeah. knowledge, you say dice. That, that's, but that's Emmanuel Lewis, and he's yeah. no expert on he's philosophy. No expert. He doesn't know. Anyways, that's what quintessence is. The quintessential tough guy. Imagine a tough guy. He's not fire. He's not air. He's not water. He's not earth. So are you suggesting that, that there was a, a fifth member of that group that also? Yeah. Right? That was their muscle? Chaimer <laughs> Hayuli. Yeah. Yeah. Quintessential. What, what was the drummer one of them? Was drummer the drummer Earth, Wind, or Fire? They were all singers, but I really don't know. Right, because because I think the drummer think should be had a the fifth one. And I think even their band performed on their own under a different under a different name. name. Yeah, and I think. I think okay. I don't know. I, I I yeah. I bet you if you would like, look that up. You'll find that to be, the case. Okay. So yeah. So how do we how how do we get to that city? Can you? I'm sorry. I'm, silence your phone. Yeah, I apologize. I should have done that before I went on the live YouTube broadcast. Let's see how many people we have. You know, I really feel like a couple of eight-year-olds with like a cassette recorder sitting in the garage, <laughs> recording ourselves right now. Like this is. <laughs> By the way, speaking of that, you know that I've, you know that I've been going through all the old VHS tapes. At her parents' house, so I've actually found some of the old videotapes that we made when we were There's young. There's eight people watching now. I feel okay. I feel a responsibility to say something interesting. There's eight people watching. Yeah. Okay. Can you please be interesting? There's eight people watching. Okay. I, I thought we were being interesting. Were we but not? Let's take it up a notch. Get be more interesting. Yeah, a little bit more interesting than you've been till now. <laughs> I mean, I think the egg and growl was good stuff. I, that was my best stuff. I used, I already used up my best stuff. You used your best material right out the gate. Now we got nothing to talk about. I used up egg and growl. You could have built up to egg and growl. <laughs> could have been a slow simmer. Um, you got nothing else. But we, no, but, but we were in the middle of talking about the sicha and about the fifth element. Yes, about stuff. the fifth element. Ether, That's right. The ether. It's not ether, though. The fifth element is higher than elements. And I don't want to call them elements anymore, either. The do there's Dalad Yisaydais. There's four basic states of matter. Um, solid, liquid, gas, plasma. Which we refer to as earth, water, air, and fire. But they're not actual earth, water, air, and fire. They are states of matter which are compared to such a thing. At any rate, the fifth element, which is not an element, which is called Chayma Hayyuli, which is the essence of all physical existence, is, according to Rabbi Akiva, is the level of defilement that Tumas Mitzrayim, the spiritual defilement of the, the idol worship 
of, uh, of, of, of Egypt seeped into that level, and therefore every maka, every plague in Mitzrayim had to penetrate to that depth. So whereas Rabbi Yesi says the ten plagues were ten plagues, Rabbi Eliezer says the ten plagues were really forty because each plague was fourfold because it had to break apart everything down to its elemental levels. So when the water, for instance, turned to blood, that was the first plague, it wasn't just the water in its outward form, but even on an elemental level, the water of the water, the earth of the water, the fire of the water, the air of the water, which we don't think about because it's not um, what we observe to the naked eye. But uh, all of that had to be affected by the plague as well. And Rabbi Akiva says that the plagues had to strike on an even deeper level past the four elements all the way to the fifth level. And that's why he says that there were actually 50 plagues in Mitzrayim, not 10, but 10 times 5, 50. And that's why he also says in turn that at the Yam, at the sea, there were 250 plagues. Because in Mitzrayim, the plagues were referred to as Etzbe Alakim, the finger of God. At the sea, it was called Yad Hashem. Hashem's great hand, a hand is five times more than a finger, five fingers on a hand, so five times five, 25, times 10, so you get 250. Why are the hands on a clock called hands when they would more accurately be described as fingers? It's a good question. Good question. Go on. And why is a clock called a face clock and it's got its hands on its face? Well, yeah, that's bad, bad COVID protocol. You mean trying to cover your cough with your hands? Just putting, touching your face with oh, your hands. Oh, touching your face, yeah. The clock's constantly doing it. Clock's touching. Clock has its hands on its own face all day long. Yeah. Never takes them off. Well, so maybe that's the ultimate uh, caution that it's not touching anything just leave else. Leave it there. Only eat. Choose one. Either don't touch your face or only Commit. touch your face. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, on a personal level, these four elements and this quintessence correspond to different uh, depths of the soul. You have the nefesh, which is the the uh, spiritual energy which enlivens our physical actions and our and our biological functions. Then you have higher than that. You have the ruach, which is a spiritual energy which enlivens our emotional life. Then you have neshama, which is the energy of the seichel of the intellect. And then even higher than that, the highest level that's uh, a normal level, and even that is considered a makif, it's transcendent, it can't be contained within the body, like the other three levels we mentioned, which are invested within the body and therefore expressed within them typically, within the body. Then you have the level called chaya, which is a spiritual energy which animates something counter to self-preservation. It's uh, actually Mesiris Nefesh and uh, idealism and the ability to sacrifice oneself. So that's called Chaya. And then even higher 
than that, the fifth level, which is not at all a level, it's just the essence of all levels, and the essence of everything is called Yechida, which means oneness because it's one with God. So just like there is in the plagues in Mitzrayim, there's Hashem striking four different levels of of Mitzrayim to dislodge the impurity, so too each person has to experience Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the exodus, on all the levels of their soul. So the Nefesh level, the Ruach level, the Neshama level, the Chaya level, and, well, that's according to Rabbi Eliezer, the highest level that you would have to, that you would require Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So Rabbi Eliezer says the Yechida is, is, one with Hashem, and it could never be defective. Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva, that's Rabbi Eliezer says that. Rabbi Akiva says that even the Yechida could be in need of a going out of Egypt experience. Okay, then. Is that interesting? It was interesting. But then, but then now, according to our conversation, you said that, that the, uh, you saw somewhere that, those five levels also correspond to the to the four questions and to that first general question. I believe in that sikh itself, it also says this corresponds to the four questions and the and the fifth general question. Yeah, I kind of remember that. So, in which case, then the then then so that's yichida, is that yichida? Yeah, like the which is also like a yom kippur when you daven nila. You have the fifth prayer, right? On a regular day, you have Shachas Minchamayrev, and then on a Shabbos or Rosh Chedesh or Yom Tov, you also have a Musaf, which is a fourth prayer service. And then Yom Kippur, which is the day of Yechida Shabbat you have a fifth, fifth prayer called Ne'ilah. That's also Yechida. That's also Yechida. So, so the question really is, can Yechida be defiled and require a ten plagues and exodus experience? And Rabbi Eliezer would say, no, say that can't happen. Like you could get messed up on your on your nefeshuch neshama and even chaya level, but you would never get messed up on a Yechida level. It just mm-hmm. wouldn't happen. It's 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 impervious to that type of uh, defilement. Rabbi Akiva would, would say, no, no, it could happen, and you would require. Uh, some some way of dealing with it. If we again go back to the four questions and are and are saying that the fifth question corresponds to the to that yichida level that needs some sort of some sort of attention, the general catch-all question. But yeah, so on a surf, surface level, on a superficial level, we can say like, oh yeah, it's called it. It's that fifth level. It's a chumra yuli because. Because it's general, and it, it contains the rest of the questions. But this is also like the Dalad Eilamais and Kesser. You have four worlds, four right. planes of reality. Asiya from the bottom up. You have Asiya and Yitzira and Bria and Atzilos, and then higher than that, you have Kesser, which is doesn't ke- doesn't each of those worlds have a Kesser? Yeah, they have a Kesser, but then there's a Kesser or Ak, which is above. Four worlds, and then and when you have Hashem's uh, four-letter name, so you, you have the lower hay, 
and then you have the vav, and then you have the higher hey, and then you have the yud. But then above the yud, even the, what's called kutzei shel yud, the little thorn, the little calligraphy thorn of the yud, which points up. That's the the thorn of the yud. Thorn of the yud is. I always thought it was a little tail at the bottom of the yud. No, kutzei shel yud is the thorn which points up because it alludes to that which is. You know, remember Ronald Reagan had a little kutzei shel yud. A little chop. Blurus? <laughs> a little blurus. I taught my kids yeah. the word blurus recently. They were very excited. They didn't know about it? You know, it's know. a machlek is what a blurus is. It could be a chup, It could be a ponytail. I've really? Seen, yeah. I've it could be a ponytail? It could be both days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I have all girls, so they haven't really, they don't have a blurus. They don't have that. I mean, they have ponytails, so I'm according oh. to Oh. Okay. <laughs> but it's but not really It's initial. not a real ponytail. It's more like a man bun. A blurus. Yeah, it is. It's a a blurus is a man bun? I believe so, yeah. It, it, it has Because the Avdi they would round off the corners. That means it would shave off where the payas are and just leave like the top and then they grow it out long and then on, then on like a special day they would cut it and be mockative. Yeah, that's why it's an Avdi thing, the blurus. Because they, they would offer their blurus? Offer their blurus. <laughs> They grow up. They grow either it was either it was a man bun or a pompadour, and they would grow out this rocking man bun or pompadour, one or the other. Maybe there are people who did both to be machmirim, and then they would cut it off, and then they would offer it as a sacrifice to their deity. That's why it's awesome. That's why in in Rambam, where where does he talk about the blurus in Hilchos Avedazara? I thought there was an issue with uh, with tefillin also that could get in the way. Yeah, that's what the mashpiyim say that the blurus gets in the the chup gets in the way of the tefillin. <laughs> it could be a chatzitza. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. the actual real midiraisa issue. Well, with the why blurus. why would that be unique to a blurus? Just having long hair in general could be a chatzitza right. for tefillin. Yeah. No. Uh, what's not? Um, what's I want to see if we picked up some, since we picked up the level of interesting. You think people call their friends and they're like, it's getting good now. Yeah. Well, now we only have six people. So actually, I think we, we lost a we couple. We lost a couple people. I think it was your, I think it was your silly blurus comment over there. <laughs> you turned people off. But the blurus? They didn't want to hear your blurus jokes. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's a real concept in halacha. It's important. It's important for every Jew to know about the blurus. To avoid it. Yeah. You said a yud has a blurus. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I feel bad now that I said that. It has a kites. Has a kites. You know what a kites is? A kites is a thorn. And we call it kutsei shel yud. That's actually the pronoun- pr- pr- uh, correct pronunciation. Because when you have a chaylam and it becomes like in a one-syllable word and becomes two syllables and it becomes a... Uh, uh, a kubutz. Is that a shuruk? A shuruk. Instead of a chaylam. That's why it's like chayl becomes chulay shel mayed. Yeah, so the kites become kutsay shel yud. Little thorn. Little thorn of the yud. Pointing up to that which is higher even than the name, than the ineffable name. So that's the fifth level, which is not a level at all. It's all encompassing. That's why it's called Kesser, because Kesser surrounds, it encompasses. It's not relegated to a particular level. 
So how, again, is that first question, Manashtana Halila Hazar, how is that? It's all-encompassing because it's like you say it can get divided up, but... Well, maybe if according to, as you're saying, who's here? Hey, Tybal, we're live, by the way. Don't walk in front of the camera. We're live. This is live YouTube, Tybal. Uh, well, because we did it spontaneously. But this is live YouTube. Am I actually live? Is really live on YouTube. Yes. There are six people watching. Okay. <laughs> what? I saw from Texas. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not looking at it. I'm not sure if Okay. All right. Okay. We're check checking mail now. This is the portion of the show. We like to call Blood Brothers Mailbag, where we just look at whatever mail a family member or loved one happens to hand us. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so I want to, what basically I want to ask, is there a way in that question, we usually think of that question as like a preface. It's just like a, it's right. just like a precursor before we get to right. the real questions. It's not even it's a non-question. So can I ask you a question? You just did. You just did, buddy. That's my favorite joke. Everyone loves it when I say that to them. They think it's so funny when they really have something important they want to know. Right. And I do that. Yeah. It's one of the funniest jokes. <laughs> right? So is that what we're doing? It's like, God, I, can I ask you a question? Or Father, can I ask you a question? I guess it, it well, no, because in, in the Yiddish, we actually do that first. So that can't be what it is, because we already have that Hagdama in, in the Yiddish. Yeah, you say Right, and then you say Manashan right. so you already did the By the way, that's what your Miram is to one of my pet peeves But is everybody ready for Mazuman? <laughs> you just did a minute I hate that because Because, yeah <laughs> I know that you for I did. You threatened for a while That you were, when you heard people do that You were just going to say he shame if somebody says, are you ready to bench? I'll say, Yishem Hashem I will say it. Because that's what Rabbi Samuel Ambenshin is to get people ready. So you say, are you ready to you zoom in? Okay, zoom in. Oh, Rabbi Sai. Hold on. So basically you're saying, get ready to get ready. How many layers of this? Ain't lo self. So get ready to get ready to get ready. So we're going to do that. So... Then, so then, then, then that, since, since we do that anyways, we say... I'm, hey, Tante, I'm going to ask you a question. Then that first question can't should then can't be that. And according to this whole this whole model, that question, should should be the quintessential question. Well, you're saying the Aruch Shulchan says it's not even a question; it's an exclamation of like plea of like. Right. I so I don't know. I mean, there are different so ways. May, maybe that is. Maybe it's not a bid for information. Maybe it's not an inquiry. Maybe it's an exclamation. Whatever it is, in what it's, way is it's it? A, an expression of wonderment. But how, how is it the aether? It's not the aether. Aether. <laughs> That's how it's spelled. I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyways, it's not, it's not ether. It's the quintessence. It's the chaymah yuuli. Um, you're saying, how is that the chaymah yuuli? Mm-hmm. Because if I could conjecture. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Conject. A question has a specific answer. So sometimes you say, 
How is this night different? For instance, I've seen that uh, you're dipping uh, stuff. I, you, you normally don't dip. You dipped twice. What's up with that? So what's up with that? And it's a request for information. Sometimes you could say, like how different this night is. I'm not asking for information. It's just the it's, it's essential a, it's state of wonderment. wonderment. It's higher than any tzir. Because if you're asking a specific question, you're limiting how many potential answers there are. Or you're limiting the reaction. The question asks for an answer. But a state of a statement of wonderment, not even asking for a response. It's ironic because I think for a lot of us, we do the Seder every single year. I mean, the, the love of the Seder, partially why it's like one of the most popular Jewish things most Jewish people do, yeah, is just because it's tradition when everyone does it every year and you got to do it. But it's kind of like, we all love it, but we're, I think we're used to it. A How Seder much? is more popular than than going to shul on Yom Kippur, I believe. I believe that the studies were done both in the United States and in Israel, that more Jews have a Seder than go to shul on Yom Kippur. Meaning to say, even people who do not observe anything else, having a Passover Seder is like the mm-hmm. most universal thing that Jews hold on to. So you're saying you think there's a reason for that. What? Oh no! I was gonna, I was gonna. Well, maybe. What I was saying is, despite the fact that it's so popular, we all kind of just like going through doing it by rote. Like, oh, I, you know, we do this every year. Uh, how often do you? I, I won't even. I won't ask you if you don't want to answer. But I, I, for myself, how often do I spend, go through the entire seder with a sense of wonderment? Right. Well, that's why the kids are there. They're supposed to be the wonderment by proxy. Maybe the kids will be. Yeah. Right, but we're supposed to ask the question if there if there aren't kids there. So yeah. I mean, we're supposed to have that feeling. It feels if if what we're saying is, is that that is the the quintessential question is just this, not even a question. It's just the the state of wonderment that we are in yeah. throughout the seder. Yeah, just how different this night is from all other nights. Yeah, I would like to try and keep myself there. I think that's beautiful. I don't know how. I'm just getting like sweaty and tired. Mm-hmm. From getting ready for Pesach. And because it's late and I'm wearing a kapata and a hat. And you're being rushed. Yeah. But yeah, imagine if just like every single part of it, like, this is so cool. It'd be weird. Right. But maybe I could. Yeah. Maybe it's something to strive for. State of childlike wonder. State of, to approach people, all eight of you, or six of you at this point, I beseech you, please approach your approach Seder, your Seder, with, Seder. A state of childlike with a state of childlike wonder, wonder, wonderment the entire time. Not, not a moment without it. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's that's an interesting thing to try. I agree with that. I think that's a wonderful ideal to strive for.
think that's good. Are we done? I think so. You know, there's a Gemara that I think it was a buyer somebody that when he was young and he was at a Seder and he asked why do why do we move the tables in and out because that's what they would do to move the tables in right. and out and then who who raised was it like Raba raised a buyer so I, don't know, I get all my all the mixed up but whoever it was that that was in charge of leading the Seder said we're used to the questions now you don't have to ask Manishtana it's like, it's like yeah, it's, you, you did your job. You just noticed something weird and you asked a question and now we're Yaitse. Right. Right. Nobody would ever do that today, by the way. If a kid would actually ask a real question, nobody would be like, oh, we could skip the fair cautious now. <laughs> right? Because, because we have four questions that we have to ask that are like in the halacha, like we have right. to ask them. But... But I would argue to say that there is, there is, we should also, like, yeah, fine, you can't just do that. It's like nobody says that you shouldn't say the words in the Siddur, you should only actually feel connection to Hashem when you daven. You should also say the words in the Siddur. Right. But don't go to the other extreme and say, what do you want from me? I said the words in the sitter. I should feel something genuine too. <laughs> right. So like, I, yeah, I think it's worthwhile to try to, and, and find something that not just like, Oh, this is an intellectually interesting conversation. No, that's not childlike wonderment. No, it has to be. That's so... intellectual curiosity. And that's <laughs> right. already a buffer. That's already a like, no, no, not that I personally care. I just, it's interesting. It's an interesting idea. It's interesting. No, I might, something I that makes us it. feel, makes us ooh and ah, makes us say how one, how different this is. This is wild. How strange. Right. How wonderful and strange. Yeah, I want to experience an entire Seder like as if I was Jeff Goldblum. That's what I want to be. I imagine, uh, actually, Jeff Goldblum probably does have a Seder, and I wonder, he probably is ooing and aahing a lot. Maybe you get yourself invited. I want to. Yeah. Okay. That's wonderful. That's what I've got. That and egg and growl. Egg and growl and a sense of childlike wonderment, which is connected to egg and growl because it's a child who could really just spend hours being fascinated <laughs> with their own egg and growl. No, because egg and growl is connected because egg and growl exists because there's no contrast in your when you close your eyes, there's no light, except for light that's bleeding in. But if you just completely cover it, there's no light coming in, there's, then there's no contrast. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you can't have black, you only have egg and growl. And the questions are all, all come from, from contrast. Why do we, on all the other nights we do this, and on this night we do that. So um, the questions come from being able to perceive the differences. It's not egg and growl. Although right, can, contrast. Yes. Why are we doing this? Not that. The question arises. It's uh, the question itself arises from a conflict, or contrast. A contrast. It's yeah. not even a question if you're not contrasting it with a norm. Right. Right. But the wonderment doesn't have to be. Oh, maybe the, the wonderment is maybe the the colors you see even without that contrast. The secret color from the, the Zaire. Secret color from the Zaire. By the way, if you send in ninety nine ninety five. 
we will reveal to you <laughs> the name of the a special non-fungible token <laughs> of that color, a JPEG of the secret Zohar color. But you can only, we only have twenty of them yeah, available. They're non-fungible, and after that, the price is going up. Yeah, they cost a, a lot of cost a lot of money to produce fake, them. Fake internet not, money. Yeah, you can send us uh, Ethereum. That it? Yeah, I, I think so. You can only, by the way, you can only see it though if you close your eyes. You, we'll send you an NFT of it, but you have to, when you look at it, you have to you close, have to close your eyes, with your eyeballs, and you have to hold the NFT on your forehead. <laughs> All right, are we done? And for another ninety nine ninety five, we're going to reveal to you the special unhearable sound. What is there an unhearable sound? For ninety nine ninety five, yeah, we'll, we'll make one. <laughs> this is all just we're joking about uh, scammers. Please do not send us ninety nine ninety five. There's no. I was going to say there's no invisible uh, secret color. There is a secret color, but I'm sure but you that, can see it just I'm by sure smushing your eyes. Sure. You don't have to send you us don't money. Need to send it's us free. Money. Hashem gave you eyes. Just smush your eyes. You can see it for free. Please do not send us money no. for the special secret color, which you could create. That belongs free. to the people. That's not ours to sell. It's like when um, Jonas Salk invented the polio vaccine. They said, "Do you want to?" Um, you patent it. It's interesting you mentioned Jeff Goldblum and now Jonas Salk because both Jews from Pittsburgh, but as as am I, as, as are you, so maybe that's the connection here. And Jonas Salk said, "Could you patent the sun?" So could you patent? You know, secret? according to the the United Nations Outer Space Treaty, all of Outer space belongs to all nations of the world equally. Chutzpah. Right? That's such chutzpah. They probably thought that was so progressive. Right? The minute the belongs aliens to see all that. all countries equally. The minute the aliens see that you know we what are that in is? That's like, serious trouble. That's like a chasida, like a stork. She only does kindness to her own. Mm. Right? Oh, it's for all humanity. Why only humanity? Right. What about the aliens? He said we can't patent this. Jonas Salk said you shouldn't. You can't patent. Can you patent the sun? Can you patent the sun? But we apparently human beings own the sun. By the way, it could be. It just makes me think that the whole manshtana also could be something very Jewish. Uh-huh. It could be <laughs> exactly. It could be. Somebody was saying to me, Chaim Kohn was came over for Shabbos, and he was talking about that um, this this lady who's. Uh, the, the nominee, Supreme Court nominee. So everybody's talking about that. Uh, I'm sure your uh, Twitter feed was uh, smoking with this stuff. But uh, that Ted Cruz, this is good for the YouTube the algorithm. algorithm. Yeah. Asked her, um, whatchamacallit, uh, what, what's a woman? And like the whole thing, was like, she was like, hemming and hawing. She couldn't answer the question. So I, I was saying to Chaim Code, I'm like, Oh, come on, Savensa. <laughs> like we we know what it means that there's a question that has context, and so the way he said it, he was like, "What am I, a microbiologist?" <laughs> so, like, like a rhetorical question, like, like what am I, a microbiologist? <laughs> so, I think it's possible. Sometimes, like, okay, hold on a second. You're asking me a specific question, like, 
is this a biology question? Is this a legal question? I mean, is, is this a sociological question? Then if you, if you're Magdir, if you tell me what the purpose of the question is, then I can answer for you. Like, I don't want to get political over here, but I, w I was saying to him on Shabbos, he'd come over and said, like, isn't that a cop out to say, what am I, a, a biologist? I said, hold on a second. So that's, uh, we say this all the time, it depends. And I said, I'll give you an example from, from, from not so long ago, from, uh, from the Supreme Court, just uh, in, in, the, in the past couple of decades. What's a person? What's free speech? I don't know. You, according to some people, a corporation is a person and money is free speech. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm not saying yes or no. I'm not getting political. I'm saying there's obvious, there, are, there are obviously contexts within which seemingly simple questions have different answers. Like in halacha, what's a Rishus Arabim? I don't know. You're asking for Shabbos? You're asking for, for Tomantara? Right. I have to know what you mean. Why are you asking? Okay, so what am I, a biologist? So it could be that the four questions are specific questions which elicit a limited set of answers, however large that set is, but there are a limited amount of answers to each question. Then there's the rhetorical question that is unlimited mm. because it doesn't, it's not a bid for information. It's not asking to be answered. And that's the first question? Yeah. Like that. It's a rhetorical question. I'm not asking you to answer. I've had this before, but you get up, you make the mistake in front of an audience that you don't know. <laughs> You're like, what are we doing here tonight? You're giving a speech about... <laughs> importance of whatever right like, yeah i know that i know i'm like trying to make it yeah no that's not even a good example because that that really is you maybe you're you're, you're leading into an answer but it's more like me amcha you saw oh like I don't know, I don't want to say a specific nation because right. then people are going to be like, did you say that nation to make fun of them? Or like, so I don't want to. People are going to get mad at you. They're going to get mad at me. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> the Atlanteans? <laughs> people will get mad at you if you say, yeah, people will get mad at you for making fun of other people and for not making fun of other people. Right. How dare you not make fun of those people? Right. What were you going to say about Atlanteans? Atlanteans. Atlanteans. They, by the way, they're like the Jews. They're like the Jews of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be uh, conscientious of your, your schedule. I think you've got... Yeah, I got something coming up. coming up. Okay. Amazing. This was such a delight. I feel a sense of childlike wonderment. Oh, wonderful. Me too. Okay.